You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Andrea Kantrowicz. Andrea, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks for inviting me. So we're talking on September 20th in 2022, and I want to talk about your show at the Painting Center called um, Unbound, Drawings from the Book, Drawing Thought. Uh, maybe we should start with that title because it, it, it is about um, a book, this show, correct? Right. It's coming out from MIT Press in just a couple weeks. So so let's talk about that. How how does the show relate to the, to the book exactly? Uh, the book came out of a lifelong interest in drawing and perhaps my own insecurity about drawing. And about 10 years ago, I worked on a dissertation at Columbia on and videotaped contemporary artists drawing and thought about what is it, what, is, what happens when we draw, what is the thinking processes that underlie drawing, and that's really the origin of the book. Uh, so the book explores drawing as a tool of thought, the way that it can help us and really anyone, not necessarily a professional artist or someone who thinks of themselves as an artist, but it can really help all of us observe, uh, discover, and invent across disciplines actually. Uh, so the show, <laughs> so I drew for about four years um, just this book, um, just the drawings for the book, and I, and I drew them over and over again in, in different variations, and the show is really uh, an installation of my studio in the process of making the book. So there's all drawings at all scales and sizes and media and, and styles and subject matters. Um, that I've organized to show that sense of how drawing unleashes creativity, which is really the essential message of the book. And, and how, I know this is a kind of a big question, but how does that happen? Would, how, I know we could talk at a book length um, you know, about <laughs> this, of course, because you have, but how, what have you learned? How does drawing um, do that? Well, I believe that drawing takes advantage of the ways that human cognition has evolved over millennia to make sense of the environments in which we find ourselves. Uh, we don't figure it out all at once. Most of human thought is pretty fuzzy, pretty ambiguous, uh, and drawing allows us to follow a suggestion and see where it leads. So it allows us to leave visible traces of ideas and observations that might otherwise be hidden or lost. Um, and allows us to play with our thoughts on paper. I think that it's, there's a great misconception about drawing, I believe, um, maybe from people who don't draw that much, that somehow it's just rendering what already exists in the world or in your mind. But in fact, it, it brings ideas and observations to light that otherwise you wouldn't really be aware of, that would lie under you know, the conscious mind. Well, that's so true. You know, it's interesting. I mean, I think in the artist community, right, drawing often almost seems like um, a sketch. It's not finished. It's an, something incomplete also, right? I mean, I don't know where that came from, but, but that, of course, doesn't have to be. That's kind of an odd bias. But um, aren't drawings also thought of that way as um, sometimes not a medium into itself, you know? What's your medium? I right. draw. I mean, or, or no, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think uh, over the years I've talked to people who draw, not only artists, but all kinds of people draw, architects, engineers, um, mathematicians draw, and it's a way they often say, I hear this over and over again, that it's a way to have a conversation with myself. So it is sort of a private, uh, it can be a private activity that you do to uncover your own kind of hidden thoughts and, and ideas. So um, certainly there's many beautiful drawings by artists who that's their art is the, is the final drawing. But I'm more interested in drawing as a process and a way of thinking, or many ways of thinking actually. Well, I like that, and I, I like the, the the way you mentioned it can be used to uncover hidden thoughts mm-hmm. and ideas. As you mentioned, other people are talking about it as uh, th- that way as well. Um, that almost sounds like a type of analysis, right? You're saying it reveals something to you that that other mediums might not. It reveals something hidden, in fact, which is really interesting. That's very kind of um, I don't know. Sounds sounds like a big opening there. You know, this idea of revealing hidden things is, is particular to drawing as opposed to painting, for example? Well, I think making in general, um, in working with materials, is a way of thinking. So drawing is just one way of making, but I think it has the advantage of being very accessible. Everybody has access to drawing materials, even if it's only stick in the sand, you know, or pencil and paper. So in that way, it's one of the most accessible forms of making. But I do believe that we think with our hands as humans. We've evolved to think with our hands. And any form of making, whether it's ceramics or oil painting or whatever it is, is still a form of thinking that maybe gets short shrift in the broader society. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting. I mean, I suppose also that, that drawing uh, is one of the it's the easiest to do, right? If you're, if you're a child, you can begin to draw. If you're a student in the class, you know, bored, you can draw. It, it, it somehow is um, a, a kind of, as, as you're saying, you know, if you have a stick, you can, you know, in, in, in earth, you can draw. There's something okay. that's, uh, that's very equalizing about it. I mean, I think of like marks on cave walls, right? You don't, you don't need a lot to, to, get, to get going. So it does seem like it has a, an ancient kind of uh, relationship to us almost, right? Right. No, I think it's, and there's a reason for that, because I think uh, as, you know, as humans, we have these hands, really remarkable hands and arms and shoulders even, that are, you know, related to other primates, but really um, powerful in, in unique ways that drawing helps us take advantage of. In addition to you know, our capacity for symbolic thought and communication and all that and telling stories. Um, There's also just this physical ability to make marks um, that is very rewarding. You know, uh, if you watch toddlers will get very excited about making marks if they have the opportunity. It's just a very essential human capacity, I think. Yeah, I think so too. You know, and of course you're you're immersed in this. So there's the book, there's the installation, uh, as you say, but you also um, you also lecture and do workshops on art and cognition, right? Is is that something that you you're you're still actively doing as part of this book, or, or will that be? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested in 
exploring the boundaries of, of who considers themselves a drawer, who feels empowered to draw. So that's something that I'm really committed to. And we had a wonderful workshop, I just want to say, at the, draw, at the painting center um, last weekend. And one of the people who was at the workshop is somebody who's very engaged with art, who has a whole uh, worked at the Metropolitan Museum and, and loves drawings and loves paintings, but never felt that she personally did not feel empowered to draw. Like it was something she couldn't do because she had such an appreciation for really great drawing. And she pulled me aside at the end of the workshop and talked about what a powerful experience it was to actually be able to make marks and how, as you were saying earlier, she uncovered all kinds of deep feelings that she had that she wasn't even aware of or hadn't had the ability to express in words, but she could put them in the drawing. So that was something that really was a nice reminder to me of how powerful it can be, as you said, um, for everyone, not just for artists. That's remarkable, you know, and, and such a good story. I'm so glad you shared that. It, it, it also makes me think that there's this idea of um, I can't draw, right, or, or that person draws so well, um, I can't draw like that. You know, this this drawing also has that kind of um, sense to it that, you know, obviously everybody can finger paint. Everybody potentially could paint. But drawing seems like uh, like something else. Like it has to be more articulate or has a different relationship to our, our, our cognition, right? Something else is happening there. Right, because I think there's a sense that we get that we're supposed to be hitting the target. And if we don't hit the target, it's, it's wrong, it's bad, we're embarrassed. And I, as I said myself, I never really felt really good at it. Like some kids, um, my, my daughter actually um, was an amazing drawer at, at a very early age, and I had to really work at it. Um, but uh, I think when you stop thinking that you're trying to hit the target and you pay attention to the process and just what it does uh, in terms of releasing ideas and and perceptions and all that, then it becomes you can become like a child again and and not be self conscious about it. There is this um, quote by Hokusai that's really famous that I find really comforting, and he says, "Nothing I did before the age of seventy was worthy of attention. At seventy three, I began to grasp the, the structures of birds and beasts. If I go on trying, I will." I surely understand them still better by the time I'm 86. And then he goes on to say, maybe at, at 130, 40 or more, I will have reached the stage where every dot and every stroke I paint will be alive. And I just love that so much because it's such a great reminder that it's a lifelong journey. It's not, you know, hitting, hitting a single target. Yeah, that's so, that's so true and so interesting. So Congratulations on all this coming out. Um, the book, which there's links to here so people can learn more about it, um, will be coming out and you'll also be doing these workshops like you're saying. But the, the book is, is geared, I mean, primarily towards adults really, right? Because this is a process of, of release in, in, in one sense that you were saying, but it's also this kind of um, uh, like liberation in terms of what could be hidden that sounds like a very adult sort of idea, right? This is, it's quite deep work in, in, in a sense. Yeah, I think it's really for everyone. Like I, as I was working on it, I would give it to friends of mine of our, who are artists, of course, but also poets and musicians and other creative people. And I think it, 
it, there's something about it that rings true with what it means to be creative and what hard work it is. It's not something that just certain people are gifted with and others are not. It's a, it's a, again, it's a process, a practice that you commit to. Um, and the book itself, I should just explain, it's, it's really integrated text and images. So every page is, is uh, both a drawing or a, a series of drawings and text that's layered on top of it. So it's not exactly a graphic novel, but it is sort of an integrated text and image exploration. And so, and so why present it that way? That's, that's very interesting. That it, it almost feels you know, like a kind of immersive experience, like, like the installation, which of course relates to the book and, and, and vice versa. Um, but yeah, why so many images? That, that, that sounds like it's encouraging in a different way, visually, because that's a whole different experience to be kind of going through something that's almost graphic novel-ish, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the, the drawings and the drawings are not strictly illustrations of the text. They sort of hopefully have a conversation with each other. And, uh, and I also, I think part of the magic of drawing is that it slows you down when you're drawing. Time gets very still. You know, you're, 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 you're drawn into the present moment, and I wanted to kind of slow down the reading of the text so that you, kind of, you go back and forth, and you don't just flip through the pages, but you really spend time and contemplate each, you know, each two-page spread. <laughs> that's, my, that's my ideal. That's my goal for the project. Well, I like that because that relates to, as you're saying, drawing also as, a, as an almost meditative act, right, something that kind of puts you... In, in in the present as opposed to the past or future or worry or something, right? It's curative exactly. almost, the way you talk about it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a way, you know, I, I think a lot about how we're living in such worrisome times with climate change and all the political instability and things that we thought we could depend on, we can no longer depend on, like snow and, you know, rain and things like that. Um, so I feel like we do need to just have a way to slow down and appreciate our lives that is not just an escape into like Netflix or crossword puzzle or something, but is really a way to just experience our lives more fully despite all the chaos that surrounds us sometimes. I love that. Thank you so much for saying that. I think that's a nice, a nice note to end this part on. There's, of course, again, links here for people to... Look at your book to to purchase your book, and I, I want to ask you one more question before we go. What are you reading at the moment? Oh, I'm reading a great book which has nothing to do with my book, maybe, except it's about the the possibility of life in capitalist ruins, which I think is pertinent to my book. Um, it's called The Mushroom at the End of End of the World, and it's written by an anthropologist, uh, Anna Lowenhop Singh. And it's about what a rare mushroom can teach us about sustaining life on a fragile planet. So that's a subject which is very much on my mind. And it's very much how life, like drawing, can exist in these difficult, messy places and thrive. That's so interesting, right? Because the the, the fear of the times is that it somehow can't, right? We'll be extinguished. Something will happen. But, you know, I mean, maybe that's a little extreme, but this idea of, as you're 
framing it, I think, as almost almost coping methods for our time in what is, um, yeah, rather rather dark, right? Right. Yeah, it's a, this book is about the matsutake mushroom, and it grows in logged forests. So forests that have been, you know, devastated. Um, it, uh, a lot of it is set in Oregon, where, which was, you know, these beautiful old-growth forests that were just decimated by logging. And then there's all this new life which comes up in the ruins. So it, 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 is, a, it is a story both of facing the reality of environmental devastation and also hope. How do we manage to live in in the ruins that we've made? Andrea, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today, and um, congratulations on the show and the book, which more information is about here. Um, thank you for your time. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.